Hi again, everybody. It's me, JR Mann. Welcome to another edition of your Life's Work Podcast. How are you? Hope you're well. Today on the big show, I want to talk about uh, self-interest. I want to talk about how we generally are always looking out for our own self-interest. <laughs> Point blank. And some of the ways in which uh, it needs to perhaps be corrected, looked at, thought about, contemplatively moved in. I'm basically going to start with a story that I know you're all familiar with, but I'm not going to get into the story the way you think. I'm going to be talking about Jesus uh, feeding uh, thousands of folks with uh, fish and bread. It's a great way to illustrate a few things, but I'm, I'm going to be talking about it on the back end of the story. I love the I love the story. I love the miracle of it. I love the fact that the disciples come to Jesus and go, yo, we can't feed these people. What are we going to do? And there's like fear in them and like there's self-protection in them because they have food and they don't know what the hell to do. And we don't want to give our food to them. But Jesus is like, we got this. And, and he, you know, he, he produces enough food with plenty left over. So there's a real kind of, you know, a... a you know, a global metaphor going on there, right? That Jesus can take care of you, that he can take care of it all and have a little left over. But then there's the back end of this miracle that I think really needs to be understood because I don't think it's just as easy as people with need marching to Christ and then Christ fulfilling the need and there's enough left over, which is, I think, where we go a lot of times. Particularly, on the Western side of the world, Western Christians, we tend to fall flat and beat our chest and yell and scream in our desperation to God to heal this and do this and do that and take care of this and make sure that's okay without really understanding the back end of this miracle, the back end of the story. Because the back end of this story really helps us to define some spiritual responsibility for who we are and what we do in community when it comes to the the greater community of Christ. When I'm talking about the greater community of Christ, I'm talking about the greater consciousness, right? This greater consciousness that we have, new eyes, new ears, a new way to look into the world, a new way to look into ourselves, a way to love, receive, and give love. Not platitudes, not process, not dogma, not not ideology, but a real true way of looking and being responsible and caring and practicing justice for all the communities around us. Not so self-interested that we draw divisions and lines and platitudes and isms around us, but we really surface in a way that we can practice justice in our communities, loving each other, giving and receiving. So the back end of this miracle. So the front end, we've got disciples telling Jesus, we can't feed these people. But Jesus is like, we can feed these people. Bring me some fish. Bring me some loaves. Boom, he feeds these people. The disciples go out, serve everybody. Plenty left over. This is the book of John. On the back end of the story, it reads like this. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, the fishes and the bread, They began to say, and picture these group of people all standing around. And remember who these group of people were. This is a group of people, for the most part, oppressed by Roman Romans, right? And when the Romans occupied 
the land that Jesus was uh, born in and the Jews were born in, we're talking about major oppression, major opposition, violence of all sorts, horrible violence. And the economy wasn't the best and people were probably hungry. And here comes Jesus talking about liberation, right? Here comes Jesus talking about freedom. Here comes Jesus talking about love. Here comes Jesus performing miracles. And so for the Jewish folks, this guy was the answer to kick the Romans asses and get them away and have a king and have a guy that's going to take care of us, have a guy that's going to take care of us, have a guy that's going to meet all our needs. And we won't have to be living under these circumstances anymore. So these are the people that he feeds. After the people saw this sign Jesus performed, they began to say, hey, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. That's our guy. That's our guy who's going to free us. And Jesus, knowing that these folks intended to come and make him king by force, and that's a word we got to understand, by force, they're going to take him. They're going to take him. You're the guy. You're going to do this. We need you. You're our desperate prayer answered. So let's get to it. Jesus withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So is this a guy, is this a Jesus self-protecting? Like knowing, like, oh my gosh, this mob is now turned again. Like I feed them, now they're going to take me by force and, you know, put a robe on me and some kind of crown and dictate what they want. So I'm going to self-preserve and run away into the mountain? No, absolutely not. Western Christians particularly, again, we tend to do the front side of this story. We tend to do, we are, ne- we are needy, we are lacking Our relationships are blowing up. I need money. I need a new job. Somebody's got a disease. This person's dying. Desperate prayer. He will do it. Plenty left over. Everything will be okay. The problem with that thinking is, again, the backside of this this miracle. Jesus truly understood that these people needed and wanted and desired certain things, but he withdrew. He gave them an opportunity at some level to really understand what was going on in their community by his disappearance, if you will. Where'd that guy go? His evacuation from that scene wasn't simply to save himself from the crowd, but to help people evaluate what they truly need. We, we tend to lock down into the mechanisms of safety and security, finding people, place, and things, ideologies, and theologies we assume will set us free, make us feel better, or keep the money flowing. Jesus gets this about humanity. Jesus gets this about, and he wants to unlock that opposition. He wants to unlock that oppression in us. He wants us to return to our origins, the origins of love, God in us. Right? A unit of consciousness that all is created by God. We're all a part of a wonderful system, a wonderful divine system that once we start separating out what what really is true, we can really start taking responsibility, not only for ourselves, but for our communities. And it's not just simply Jesus the Band-Aid or Jesus the quote-unquote Savior That's going to come and dish out happy-go-lucky pills and unicorn uh, dreams so everybody's okay. Because everybody's not going to be okay. 
That's all there is to it. I mean, I hate to tell everybody, but heartbreak is real. Sorrow is real. This life produces sorrow and heartbreak. It is 100% a reality. Us wanting to take Jesus by force in some way and making him king isn't necessarily the trick that he's out to show us. Sometimes the overwhelming desire to stay safe prompts us to take things by force. Asserting our value and worth has more to do with how we are taken care of than our personal responsibility to take care of ourselves or our community. I'll do it again. I'll do it again. Sometimes the overwhelming desire to stay safe prompts us to take things by force. Think about COVID, right? Think about COVID. Think about your reaction to COVID just alone, just right away. How have you taken things by force as a result of the uncertainty or unknowing of COVID? Right? Like all of a sudden, I know, I know people that have locked down bank accounts, right? Cashed everything out of banks, right? They have, they have, uh, they, they, in some cases, they have separated themselves from our relationships because they just simply don't want COVID. Like we, there's, a, there's extremes going on here. Sometimes the overwhelming desire to stay safe prompts us to take things by force. We assert that our value and our worth has more to do with how we are taken care of than our personal responsibility to take care of ourselves or our community. In other words, all of a sudden, when we're faced with uncertainty, all of a sudden, when we're faced with desperation, all of a sudden, when we're faced with a a reality that has heartbreak or sorrow or maybe the lack of self-interest, we turn inward. And when we turn inward, we forget about the responsibilities, our responsibilities, your responsibilities for the greater good of community. And this is where Jesus is like, yo, I'm out. I'm out. I'm going to the mountain. I'm going to, I'm going to the mountain. And I love this because you got to understand, wouldn't the crowd go like, where the hell did this guy go? Why did this guy go? Like, it's where did he go first? Like, they're certain, like, where did he go? Like, wait, 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 wait. They're confused. But then there's a question. There has to be a communal question among these 5,000 folks of why did he go? Well, he's a coward. He really isn't the guy that he said he was. It was all tricks. It was all magic. It was all bullshit. Those who held faith, though, I would imagine, start to see this, this group of people that was just fed and the food left over, perhaps, perhaps start to build their own systems of taking care of themselves as a result of Jesus's generous opportunity to pull people together. Perhaps, perhaps in community, you all are stronger than just me providing for you. Perhaps in community, you all will do better than perhaps just my face on a wall, lying flat, screaming desperately the prayers of internal need. Perhaps it's in your strength, knowing that I'm somewhere else, that will ultimately create a system of justice and justice practiced for the marginalized. Perhaps. Jesus isn't going to be our end all every time we are in a jam, hungry, oppressed, opposed, and beaten down by the man. 
And I know this goes counter-cultural and counter-assumptive to what most of you all have been taught. Most of us have been taught to run to the cross and drop all our garbage right in front of it. And, and again, I'm not going to begrudge anybody to do that. Intimately, the discourse of love and the origins of who we are, yeah, man, we're called back into that spot. So I'm with you there. Dump it all. Dump it all at the feet of the divine. Absolutely. My big point here, though, is that we can't ignore the second half of that story. We can't, ignore that the, we can't ignore that Jesus in his absence is actually teaching. Jesus in his absence is teaching. Teaching the ways of practicing justice to people who are in need. Practice, practicing the idea that if we come together in some kind of discourse of love and action, good shit happens at the end of the day. We need to act. We need to act. You need to act. I need to act. We need to act. Naval gazing on Jesus' behalf is half measures. We shouldn't be sitting around making anyone or anything king who can simply feed us and take care of us and make us safe. We need to stand, lock arms with our community, and register our responsibility in the spiritual game. That's, that's, a, that's a concrete thing that we really need to do. We need to stand and lock arms in our community and register our responsibility in the spiritual game. In other words, we need to be open opportunities to receive and give love, regardless of who's in the crowd. And that's a big one. That's a big one for the rest Western Christians, for the record. Because there's still a lot of people out there not, not cool with the gays, not cool with the LGBT community. And if you're not... You need to think real damn carefully about why Jesus evacuates to the mountain that day. Because perhaps he's evacuating so you can get a clear look at what you and your responsibility is to the marginalized in our community. And I'm not just simply saying the LGBT community is marginalized. I'm not simply saying that. Yes, to a large degree they are, but I'm not just saying they're the only ones. I got three adopted kids in my uh, house, there's 500,000 adopted kids marginalized by a system. There's the poor, the broken, the drug addicted, the mental, the mentally ill. I could go, you, I, you, listen, you don't even need me to do this. You know who they are. You know who they are. But we need to stand and lock arms. We, we have a responsibility. Our self-interest is to one another. Our self-interest is to one another. Jesus taught us very clearly to love the marginalized, deconstruct opposition and oppression. Learn to love. Value the community the way he valued feeding community. Value the community the way he valued feeding the community. And feeding's in air quotes there. How did Jesus feed that community that day? Was it just fish and bread? Or was it the idea of who they are? Was, was his leaving that day a real clear mirror to everybody once they asked why he left? What are we going to do? Was that feeding the community? The good news of the gospel isn't self-indulgent. The good news of the gospel isn't self-indulgent. It is alive in a communal response to love among need. So they realize he's gone. How do they love the need? I would imagine that they took the leftovers and made sure that other hungry people were fed. 
I would hope they did that. Right? That's what I hope we do. I hope we do that. The good news of the gospel is not self-indulgent. It is alive in a communal response to love need. So again, if you're on the floor, desperately kicking your hands and your feet for Jesus to do something, I want you to pick a place and a time that you're in that story. Is your place in the time of that story getting a handout or is your place in the time in that story wondering where he is, why he has left, and what is next for the community at large. I'm not saying he's gone either. For the critics, I hear you in my ear. Oh, you seen he's not around? He's around. Our origins are in him, him in us. John 1, it is all God. We're all in this. But there is a spiritual responsibility that must, must be consciously breathed in and breathed out. We must look into our communities. We must look in with love. And we just simply can't stay idle in pews and in synagogues and in mosques doing nothing but desperate petition, hoping shit changes. Our sweat, our blood, our toil is needed. And at no greater time, at no greater time in the history of this planet is it needed right now. And I'm not just simply talking about immigration, environmental crazy, political bullshit. I'm talking about the hearts of men and women. This is a time that men and women need to know the origin of their heart. They need to hear it. And they need to hear it from you, quite frankly. Whether you're a Christian, whether you're a Buddhist, whether you're a Jew whether you're a Muslim, every one of those wisdom traditions that I just listed there all have this thread running through them that we take good care and teach and learn to receive and give love. And we do that through the marginalized. We do that through the marginalized. Who will you feed? Who will you feed? Who will you feed? And again, I'm not talking about running out and grabbing a poor person. Because I know that some, some of you are taking it that way. I'm not talking about it. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. I'm talking about the people that truly need to know the origins of their own heart. So here's three ways to engage. Three ways to engage and we're done. And I appreciate you all listening. Number one, stop over-spiritualizing the problems of the world. Pick up a problem. Pick up a problem do something instead of simply casting the problems onto Jesus or wherever you're casting. Pick up a problem. Find a problem, pick it up. Don't walk away from it, whatever that problem is. You know, my wife, in my case, it was like we're adopting three kids. Now, at the time, we adopted three kids to build a family, but we've slowly realized over the course of time that we picked up many problems along the way. Very unconsciously for the record, because we really did want our own family. But what we've realized since is that there is a multitude of problems that we just simply gathered, picked up, and now we have the responsibility for them, whether we want them or not. Pick up a problem. Pick up a problem. Number two, who are the marginalized in the community? And for the record, it may be you and the way you think. Because if you're in opposition or oppression of anybody or any group, you're marginalized, my my, my brothers and sisters, and you're delivering marginalization. 
So maybe you, so you may be having to get in the mirror a little bit on this one. Who are the marginalized? And if it's you, if you're the marginalized, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand and ask for help. I want you to raise your hand and say, I need. I want you to raise your hand and say, I desire change. Number three, start communities that care for one another. I don't care if they're food panty, uh, food panties, <laughs> food pantries, food panties. Imagine food pantries, prayer circles, coffee clatches, churches, synagogues, imams, money groups, like groups that are like designed to like help people with cash. Start a community. I don't care if it's two of you or 500 of you. Bring and pull people together. The one thing that that miracle story, the Jesus story in John has, is a group of people that have a need. And they were all together. They were fed. They were taken care of. They had stuff left over and off Jesus went. So here you and I are, staring at the leftovers. What the hell are we going to do with the leftovers? What are we going to do? Start something. You don't need an MDiv or a pastorate. You don't need a, 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 an expertise in anything. You need... A, go on Clubhouse and start something. Go on Facebook and start something. Start something in a park if you're in good weather. Start something that's six feet apart with masks. But start something. Deliver yourself in love to another human being and invite others in. What are you doing with the leftovers? I love you. I hope you're well. If you need me, I'm JR, JRMan.com, JR at JRMAHON.com. Be more than happy to uh, help with any spiritual direction needs. If you're looking for a retreat house, jrman.com, you go to Ridgewood Retreat on the jrman.com page and uh, check out and see our retreat and we'll get you in here as soon as you can. Good people, I'm so thankful you're along with my passion. And I pray collectively for you all for peace and ease. And I'll see you next time. <laughs>